Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Adventures in Local Marketing, the podcast that tells the stories from the front line of local marketing. I'm Christian Bannister, Head of Marketing at Bright Local, and each episode I'll be talking with industry experts and marketers who are living local marketing day in, day out, the people pushing it further and in new directions. And my guest today has definitely been doing that over the years. Greg Gifford is the Vice President of Search Marketing at Search Lab, a boutique marketing agency specializing in local SEO and PPC. He's one of the most in-demand speakers at digital marketing and automotive conferences all over the world with dynamic movie-themed presentations packed full of actionable tactics and information. Greg has been working in online marketing for 17 years and has helped hundreds of businesses gain more visibility in local searches. If you work in local SEO, chances are you've heard of Greg Gifford, but you might not be familiar with his journey through local marketing, how he started out, what he learned along the way, and how he became one of the most recognized and respected experts in local SEO. So I sat down with Greg to find out just that. Firstly, Greg, a big thank you for joining us on our first episode of Adventures in Local Marketing. Uh, Happy to be here and, you know, no pressure being that the entire success of this podcast depends on my performance here in the first one. I'm not nervous at all. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You might have to do a dramatic pivot after the first episode, but I'm sure (laughs) that's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be interesting. Well, you know, we've gone all in on the brand of Adventures in Local Marketing, so I'm not sure where we can take it. Yeah. So I'd like to start off by taking you back to the very beginning of your career. Tell me how things started out for you. So I didn't even really plan on being in anything related to marketing. I was a a film major in college and wanted to make movies. And so I graduated, but I was a year ahead of some of my friends. And so I got a job uh, waiting tables and bartending to pay the bills while we were kind of going through the emotions of, you know, I was writing the script for a movie that we were going to take to Sundance and that was going to, you know, boost our careers or whatnot. And then, uh, you know, that kind of just didn't end up working out. And a lot of the guys decided to just go off to California when they graduated. So at that point, I was kind of like, yeah, what do I do with my life? And I'd worked on, actually worked on a few episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger and realized pretty quickly I didn't want to to go that direction with my life. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I had always kind of been into computers just as a hobby and had been playing around with things. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I don't really think I want to do this. So I started thinking about what I did want to do. And a friend of mine from college needed a website. And he said, hey, you know, I, you know, I started this business. I need a website. I know you like computer stuff could you help me out? And I said, sure. And that was right at the time that Flash had first been released. I had a really different approach to making Flash websites because other people were just trying to use Flash to just do what they wanted to do with HTML code and just have some animation added where I approached Flash like, hey, this is timeline based, just like a movie. So I had just really different effects and you know stuff at the time that was really popular that now you look back on and you're like dude you were trying to kill the internet 
so, you know, I started, I made his site and everybody else was just amazed. And so that kind of grew pretty quickly through word of mouth. And I started doing a lot of flash sites. Then I ended up partnering with a guy that I had actually made a website for who's a commercial photographer. And so we ended up creating a company that was him and another guy that does a lot of marketing and branding and then me. And we started doing just kind of branding and websites. And we hosted these websites as well. And we figured out really quickly that the flash sites weren't showing up in Google. And so we tried to figure out why. And I figured out a way to, to solve that problem, not knowing anything about SEO or how Google worked and not realizing that it was extremely against what you were supposed to be doing. So I start, actually started off in SEO as an unknowing mega black hat. And it was, you know, really nefarious cloaking stuff and things that we were doing. <laughs> and so then, uh, you know, that's kind of my first introduction of, of being in an SEO realm without knowing I was in it. Where, where were you looking to try and figure out how you could do that? So you said that you maybe went down a bit of the black hat route. <laughs> where were you actually finding out what you might need to do? Was it a trial and error thing or were there forums that you could refer to? Uh, there wasn't a whole lot around at that time because flash was, you know, only a year or two old. So there, you know, it was clear that flash websites weren't showing up in Google, but there wasn't a whole lot of information out there, even on the forums about how to get around it. So, you know, we just sat down, I sat down with our, our developer guy and we kind of said, okay, what does Google look at? And again, this is just with zero SEO experience, but just, you know, common sense Google's looking at the content on your site and in one way or another is determining which sites to show it doesn't see any content on our site so that's why they don't show up it's basically just a URL with a blank page it's you know it's HTML code that says show flash and that's it so we said what can we do to get Google to see this content and also see that there are multiple pages of content so that these sites will start to show up and we just figured out some pretty you know, we thought we were super smart. We didn't realize we were really breaking the rules, but we did some, <laughs> some pretty, what now you would consider to be pretty awful cloaking and really dishonest stuff on the server to get Google to think that there were actual websites there that weren't really there. Well, you know, uh, you can, you can, you can blame it on ignorance in a way, but in a way also, I guess that experimenting is, is a lot of how, you know, a lot of people, you know, learn about SEO in, in the first place, especially going way back where, yes, okay, this might feel like it's slightly overstepping the line, but a little bit of SEO in the past is, well, how far can you get away with stepping over the line? Well, exactly. That's how a lot of people I know, you know, the younger people, not so much, but, you know, the, the people that have been SEO for more than 10 years, that's how a lot of people got their start is just fooling around. And, and there wasn't a whole lot of documentation at the time about, well, here are the factors that matter and here's how to optimize your site. And it was a lot of us just kind of fooling around and, and tweaking things and, until you found something that worked. And so that's kind of what got me interested in SEO in the first place was just, you know, Google doesn't see this site. What can we do to get Google to see this site? Okay, cool. Now Google sees this site. Now, you know, what can we do to make this site show up better in Google? You know, so I kind of started learning SEO without realizing that's what I was doing. Yeah, I remember there was a lot of experimentation back then and, you know, people were sharing the things that they came across. Uh, do you feel that's gone away a bit then? I mean, my, my gut feeling is I don't think it's as prevalent anymore because, you know, 10 years ago, everybody was testing everything all the time. And now I kind of feel like a lot of people 
and, and SEO is bigger now. It's a bigger industry and there's more people, but I kind of feel like a lot of people don't necessarily run their own tests and do their own things. And they're more, I don't want to say reliant because it's not like if I'm not running tests, I have to depend on somebody else to run tests for me. But I think a lot of people just don't necessarily feel the need to run tests and they can just kind of pay attention to the right people on Twitter or read the right things on, on the web or watch the right videos or listen to the right podcast and hear about, Hey, we, you know, we've run this test and here's what we found. And these are current best practices. And it's maybe not as big of a requirement anymore for the job. But at the same time, when I speak at conferences, one of the things that I say is you have to test everything yourself. Cause when it comes to local specifically, it's a lot more complicated, I feel, than just traditional SEO with a, a broader focus. And you kind of need to test everything that you're doing to make sure that you're not just following the rote of best practices and actually doing something that'll move the needle. You know, things didn't end up going super well with that, so we parted ways. And uh, I was looking for a gig and ended up getting a gig as the flash designer for an automotive website company. And then just, you know, through my experience of having had my own business and doing the marketing and all that, I rose through the ranks pretty quickly. And within six months, I was running their entire marketing department. And very shortly thereafter, they decided they wanted to start selling SEO as a service. And we started interviewing people for that position. And I was the main person doing those interviews. And we kind of quickly realized that my level of expertise was a lot higher than any of the people that we were interviewing. And so I pivoted and left the role of marketing and started that SEO department, grew that SEO department. And then, uh, you know, eventually kind of outgrew that role in that company and decided to leave and was recruited pretty heavily. And that, that company was uh, concentrating mostly on the used car side of the business. And so I was recruited pretty heavily by a company called Dealeron. That's like the, you know, third or fourth largest website provider in the automotive realm for new car dealers in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so they were kind of at that same point where they were just wanting to expand and start selling SEO as a service. And I'd kind of already established myself as one of the, you know, experts in automotive SEO. So they came after me pretty hard and I ended up going to work for them and again, built an entire SEO program from scratch, from nothing to a multi-million dollar revenue source. Were you focused on local SEO from the beginning or did that come later? No, pretty much from the beginning, I was focused on local uh, just because of the fact that it was an automotive company. And, you know, even, even way back then, and, and, you know, this was 13 years ago, probably 14 years ago. Well, yeah. 12, 13, 14 years ago, I, I lose track, but you know, more than 10 years ago, uh, when I took over that SEO position, and even before that, when I was helping with the marketing stuff, uh, already we were only, because I was at an automotive company, we were only servicing auto dealer clients and the local algorithm was what applied to those clients. Mm -hmm. So even at that point, you know, I already knew that there were local issues at play. And so, you know, we had the map pack and there was optimizing for the map pack and worrying about the additional factors you didn't necessarily have to worry about. And that's, that's the whole, the entire reason I ended up being in local so heavily today is just when I got into SEO and started doing SEO at that company really heavy and, and building that department out, 
we had to do local SEO because that's yeah. what mattered for our clients. And, you know, I ended up working at that company for, I think, eight, eight and a half years. You know, at that point, I was just, I, I fell in love with local and that's where I was. And, I, you know, at that point, you know, I've switched jobs a couple of times since then, but it's always been a, a local SEO focus because, you know, not, not that I wouldn't want to do traditional SEO or e-commerce or anything else, but I'd already spent so much time learning it and moving beyond proficiency in local SEO to being one of the experts. And not that, that you know, I'm, I'm not pursuing the, the SEO celebrity status or, you know, I enjoy speaking at conferences, but it wasn't about that. It was more about I've spent so much of my time learning how to be really awesome at this one thing. You know, it's it's the T-shaped marketer. Yeah, I know about AdWords. Yeah, I know about SEO. And yeah, I yeah. know all this, but I am super heavy in local. So why not use that to my advantage and go after jobs where local really matters and I can bring my expertise and experience in to help that new position really excel? Yeah, definitely. And I think there's probably a time in a lot of marketers' careers where you start to see the T start to develop, right? You see, you see it extending slightly. And that's where you probably think, actually, there's something here, you know, and going deep, obviously, gives you huge advantages in your career path, but also probably gives you an immense sense of satisfaction of, of really going deep on a thing rather than constantly feeling like you're moving between channels, you're spreading yourself thin, uh, having to upskill in lots of different areas at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, it's nice to be able to know what you're talking about with clients. I feel at this point, if a client has a question about local SEO, I'm probably going to be able to answer that question. Yeah. So what was uh, local SEO like at this time going all the way back? Was it a subset of traditional SEO, like technical or link building or was it a discipline in its own right? I think it was more of a subset back then. I don't think it was really, you know, and, and there were a lot of people back then, you know, a lot of people now that you look at as like the top experts in local have been around for a while and we've been doing it for a long time. But like now you kind of look at local SEO as it's its own thing. And back then it was more of a subset where mm -hmm. you just were doing SEO, but because you had the local focus, you had to consider these additional factors where now it's kind of its own thing and has become more prevalent and and more important as it's expanded to include more verticals. And obviously the algorithm has evolved a lot in the last few years. So was there a time where you started to feel that it was gaining traction, both, I guess, in your work, it maybe not so much because you were doing it from the beginning, but wider in the industry? Yeah, I mean, really, I would kind of equate that with the rise of mobile search. So, yeah. you know, it's been around for forever. But as everyone started to buzz more about, oh, my gosh, mobile search is starting to happen. And bandwidth got better and people started using more mobile devices. And at that point, I think search changed to more of an immediacy type of thing of like, I need this answer right now in this location. And especially when Google switched over to the mobile first algorithm and we really crossed that threshold where most websites are seeing, you know, most of their traffic coming from mobile devices. I think that's when people really started to catch on to local a little bit more. Yeah. But I, I think worldwide, though, I think local still hasn't really caught on. I think local's really caught on a lot in the States, but there's still all the time that I'll talk to businesses either, you know, through sales calls that we're doing or conferences that I'm speaking at or, or whatnot that just have never really heard of local SEO. And you start talking to them and they're like, Oh my gosh, that makes perfect sense. And 
we've always had a map pack show up. This is what we've always needed. And we've gone through so many agencies and none of them have ever mentioned this to us. So I think there's still, you know, a lot of people out there that don't know about it. But once, you know, because I've been speaking at, you know, for the last few years at conferences all over the place, once you get get outside of, of the US and Canada, local still really isn't that well known. It's a little bit more well known in the UK and like maybe Germany. Yeah. But outside of that, there's just a ton of people that, you know, I'll, I'll speak at a conference and it'll be the first time they've ever even really heard of it. Would you say there's anything that stands out as why that might have happened? Is it that, you know, the US, it's just more geographically spread out or is it more competitive or does the economy actually mean that there's just way more local businesses? If you just kind of, I mean, let's compare the UK to the US. You guys are so much more dense. London, you can, you can... Yeah, I mean, you're taking cabs around or you're taking the tube somewhere, but still everything's really close together. Yeah. And, you know, you look at Dallas where I am and everything's so spread out. You know, you can drive from the northern edge of the Dallas Metro to the southern edge of the Dallas Metro. If there's no traffic and you're driving 60 miles an hour, it probably takes you over an hour to get from no development again to no development. It's just solid development all the way through and everything's super spread out. And... I think just the difference in geography and how things are, are situated plays a role. And then I also think just in the States, marketing is such a big thing and digital marketing is such a big thing. And there's just so many different conferences to go to and so many different meetings and venues and things related to digital marketing where, yeah, you guys have conferences and, and they're great. And they're, some of them I really like and might even possibly be better than the ones over here. But I think there's just so much more, I don't want to call it noise, but let's call it noise. There's so much more noise about digital marketing in the States compared to everywhere else. Not that there's not that need, but I think there's just more people over here being vocal and talking about it. And so I think that definitely has something to do with it. I also think that up until a few years ago, most of the time you would see an algo update rollout in the States. And then, you know, there's a delay of several months to even longer before that would roll out to the rest of the world. So things would hit us first. So it was more important for us to be on top of things. And I think it was the pigeon update, if I remember right, that was like five, six years ago that hit the US in like early summer and didn't hit the UK and the rest of the world until Christmas time. You know, and that played to y'all's advantage because by the time that update hits you guys, we've already done all the research and know all the difference and you can just go, okay, cool. We don't have to worry about it. Here's what <laughs> yeah. happened. You know, I've been lucky enough to come to the UK a whole lot. And so I've got a lot of friends there now that are marketers. And then, you know, I've done a lot of consulting for businesses over there and things that don't work in the States anymore still work in the UK because of the fact that, and outside, you know, in Europe as well, even more so, because not that many people know about local SEO yet. So you can do things that are, are on a pretty basic level, like local SEO 101 stuff outside of the States and still have a massive impact on the visibility of that business, where over here, you know, not so much. It, 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 in some verticals, in some cities, maybe it still matters. But, you know, if I'm working with uh, a personal injury attorney over here, like they're all over local SEO and they get it and they all are doing SEO. And so you can't make pretty simple optimization changes and see a whole lot of difference there. It's going to take a longer time where, you know, I could work with a business in the UK and 
do what we would consider to be some pretty basic optimizations on the website and it makes a massive difference really quickly in how that site shows up. And that's more because of, like I said, just not that many people know about local SEO. So you come into a situation where there might be just as much competition, but if we're looking at the London metro area and there's 50 businesses that are competing against each other and only two or three of those businesses are actually doing the, the local SEO stuff, you're going to rise past the others really quickly. Whereas over here, everybody's doing it to some degree. So you've got to really outpace your competitors. So going back to your journey, your first SEO role was in a company that did web design and marketing for the auto industry. You then moved on to Dealer On, which was car dealerships, and then onto Wikimotive. So obviously, the auto industry is a specialist area for you. What can you tell me about SEO and marketing in that industry? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's intricacies for any particular vertical that you work with. You know, one one thing that that I like about auto is I don't really have to fight spam in auto, where you know I've got friends like uh, you know Joy Hawkins does a lot of stuff in local. Everybody's heard of her, and but. Their, their agency really specializes in fighting spam and they work with really spammy verticals. But automotive, there's just not really any spam to fight. You don't have people putting up fake locations because you can't put up a fake location because <laughs> obviously there's no cars there. But, you know, you've got a lot of other things where you've got, you know, in Dallas, probably 20, 25 Ford dealers all competing on Ford terms. And so mm-hmm. the things that you have to do for car dealers are, are kind of different than the things that you're going to do for personal injury attorneys. And, you know, it really kind of all boils down to links and content, but I enjoy working with dealers because most car dealers are already pretty involved in the community and they're pretty philanthropic. So link building becomes really easy in those situations because they're already doing all the things that you would suggest that they do to be able to get great link opportunities from local businesses. You know, sometimes we'll work with other businesses and we'll say, Hey, you know, you should go sponsor this team or do this or get involved here. And they're like, man, I don't have time to do that. I, I, I got to run my business. Part of the reason that I, I left where I was and, you know, I'm now at search lab is I, I wanted to branch out and do more. I wanted to not just be locked into automotive. Not that there's anything wrong with automotive and I'll always be really heavy in automotive because of my history, but you know, it's just exciting and fun to work with different types of businesses and do other things. And so that's what attracted me to Search Lab was just the fact that, you know, we get to work with lots of different kinds of businesses yeah. and not just one particular vertical. Uh, so tell me about Search Labs. Uh, so you're the vice president of Search there. So tell me about your yep. role. And, you know, what sort of clients are you uh, dealing with now? So we're, we're all over the board. Uh, you know, we've got some car dealerships. We've got plumbers. We've got doctors. We've got lawyers. Uh, we've got jewelers. So we, we really have lots of different kinds of clients, which I think that was a big benefit when COVID hit because we weren't really heavy in a vertical, you know. So, you know, we had clients that had to pause and clients that reduced AdWords spend, but you know, overall, I think we had a pretty good mix of clients that kind of protected us from yeah. losing a lot of business. But uh, yeah, so we have a, a really kind of diverse mix of clients. And, and my role, you know, I'm kind of at the point now where, I mean, yeah, I'm a local SEO expert, but I don't really do local SEO on a day-to-day basis. You know, my role is more kind of an operations role more than anything else. So, you know, mm-hmm. they hired me to help them 
get ready to grow because I've already taken several agencies from nothing to multi-million dollar revenue. So that's what they wanted. They said, look, we really want to grow and we want to grow fast and we want to take advantage of, you know, your visibility. So help us do that. A lot of my role was going to be getting more visibility by speaking at conferences, which COVID hit. We're not traveling this year. So, you know, that, that part has to wait, but also, you know, I came in, did a complete overhaul of how we provided our service and really kind of honed in on these are the things that matter for local. I reorganized our structure. I completely set new policies and processes. And so now, uh, you know, my role so far has been very kind of operations oriented and it's, you know, I'm not doing client work because I'm overseeing the team and I'm consulting on high level things that, you know, then I can delegate down to our teams to go actually do we don't do the cookie cutter approach that a lot of agencies do where like, Hey, here's our package or we have two SEO packages, pick one of the two. And we're just going to do the assembly line thing. We actually do customized services for everybody. So we're going to look at your business and what your needs are and figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are, and then put together a strategy that's customized for your business. So there really is no package for us. Yeah. And I think that's so important. You actually want to have a conversation and understand the business and what they're trying to achieve because you know, it's the equivalent of, you know, someone coming into a marketing role or like myself coming into a head of marketing role. And, you know, you'd never turn up and go, here are the services I offer as a marketer. I offer, you know, SEO, I offer content creation. You've got to really understand what the business is trying to achieve. You know, what's the competitive landscape? What are you already good at that you can lean on more? Well, yeah. And, you know, a lot of businesses, when they're talking about SEO, they approach it like, I need to hire this agency because I want to rank number one in Google. And that's not a way to gauge SEO success because it may be impossible to rank number one in Google for the phrases that you want to rank for. Or, you know, more often in local, what do you mean by number one? Number one in the map pack, number one in organic and you know, the map pack is so based on proximity and actual address and, you know, GMB factors and organic is based more on traditional factors. And, you know, how does that fluctuate based on your location and where are you searching from? And, and even still, as a business owner, you don't hire somebody to do SEO or local SEO because you want to rank. That's not the end goal. The end goal is you're hiring someone because you want to grow your business. So how does that piece of the puzzle fit into your business plan and increase your end goal, which is more clients or more customers, or if nothing else, the same level of, if you're already the best in the market, you want to maintain that level of clients and customers, but get it at a cheaper rate. Because Mm -hmm. one of the things that I always say when I speak at conferences is there's basically two types of businesses or people that hire an SEO partner to work with. You've got the guy or girl that knows that their business doesn't show up well in Google. You're not on page one for any of the phrases that matter to you. And clearly, if you do show up on page one, you know you're going to get more phone calls and more form fills, which leads to more business. Easy sell in that point. But you also have just as many people that already have amazing visibility and they're already number one for the majority of terms that they want to be number one for, or as high as they could possibly be, yet they've just kind of stumbled into that by accident and never really done SEO in the past. And now they realize they have to get someone to do their SEO to maintain that visibility that they've already achieved. Or maybe they've been working with another agency and that agency's quality has gone down over time. So they want to 
switch to a different agency. But if you're in that second group of people, you don't expect to see these big jumps in traffic and jumps in visibility and jumps in lead volume. You just expect to maintain what you've got. So that's why it's important to understand that ranking is not a gauge of success. You have to look at your business goals from the beginning. And is my business goal, I don't show up and I want to grow my business. So I know showing up will help with that. Or I already show up really well and I dominate my market, but I want to make sure I maintain that domination for the long term. So you've spoken at plenty of events, right? And obviously it's on hold at the moment, but how do you actually get into it? So what, you know, what was your first event you spoke at? So yeah, I started off uh, outside of SEO. I started off in the automotive realm. So I started off speaking at automotive conferences uh, and that was based purely on at that point, we want to get our name out there. We want to get noticed if we go to these automotive conferences and speak we know that that gives us visibility, we'll get potential leads. And even at that time, before I had really started speaking, I was always class president my junior year, student body president my senior year in high school. I've always been, I've, I've not had a problem with public speaking. You know, even at the beginning, I was like, geez, a lot of these speakers in automotive are just vendors trying to sell their stuff. And they're not really getting up there and sharing helpful information. I kind of feel like if we got up there and said, look, I'm not gonna just say why I'm awesome. I'm just gonna tell you how to do it yourself if you really wanna do it yourself because most people are gonna go, geez, that's a whole lot to do. I can't do that myself, I need to hire you. So that was kind of my take from the beginning. And then, you know, I got up there and my style, even back then was still drastically different than a lot of people. So I became a popular speaker pretty quickly. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I started, you know, because I spoke in automotive, I said, well, you know, I could probably do this in SEO as well. And so my first digital marketing conference was State of Search in Dallas, Texas. And it's, run by a local digital marketing meetup group that I'm a part of. And they were like, Hey, I think you'd be really good at this. You've been doing some automotive stuff. Why don't you speak here? And so I spoke and, you know, funny enough, I actually had a stomach bug and was, you know, about to get sick on stage. So it was a very close timing thing where I had to run <laughs> off the stage at the end. It was not good, but I still, you know, I, I did a, a really funny, really cool, really helpful presentation. And somebody there was from SMX and they said, wow, you know, you should, you should, go apply to SMX West. It's in the spring because this, this was in the fall. And they said, it's in the spring. You go apply. Let me know when you put the application in. We really want you to come speak. So I did that. And then once I spoke there, that kind of just snowballed from there really quickly. Yeah. And uh, I kind of approached it from the beginning. I kind of gamified it where I said, look, it, you know, it wasn't like any desire to be any sort of SEO celebrity. It was more a desire of, at that point, I already knew from automotive conferences that speaking equaled leads. And so if I spoke at more conferences, that equaled more leads for us. And, you know, it was a good thing for our salesperson to go, look, this guy's spoken here and spoken here and spoken here. Do you want to buy SEO from somebody that's clearly a thought leader in the industry or somebody that's just a vendor selling stuff? So that was kind of the approach we took. Yeah. I've always done the, the movie thing thing. But if you look way back to stuff that I was doing years ago, there wasn't, you know, as much consistency in what I did now. I was kind of all over the board and just had movies there as my deal. And I kind of refined that over time because I said, mm -hmm. what's going to get conferences to want me to be a speaker, whether they're asking me to speak or whether they're seeing my name as an application and going, oh yeah, we want this guy. And that's, you got to have awesome information. You got to be entertaining as a speaker. 
you got to be memorable to the audience. And then, you know, I knew that over time as all of those things worked together and I spoke at more conferences that just made it more likely that I would speak at more conferences. And so it kind of became a, let's get me out to as many conferences as possible. And it just kind of turned into a lead machine because we would know consistently if we go to this conference, we're going to get this many leads. And, you know, there's a really major automotive conference. The biggest one is NADA national auto dealers association it's kind of weird. They have a, a committee of people that picks the speakers as opposed to people related to running the conference. So sometimes you get chosen, sometimes you don't. It kind of mm -hmm. is a weird deal. So, you know, we had a situation where I spoke one year and I didn't speak the next year. And then I spoke the next year and didn't speak the year after that. So it was on, off, on, off. And it was literally uh, with looking at business that we either closed at the conference or business that we closed within two months of the end date of the conference of people that saw me speak at the conference. It was literally about a million dollars a year difference in annual revenue of the business that we signed wow. up. I guess we haven't spoken about the future much and maybe the future is somewhat uncertain right now, but it'd be good to know what your year looks like. What do you have in mind? You know, you've obviously joined uh, Search Labs. Are there any big goals related to that? or any new directions you're exploring? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's kind of a, been a pivot thanks to COVID because stuff really started shutting down in March. And even at that point, I already had 24 conferences scheduled this year in I think eight different countries. And that's all probably gone. Maybe we'll have the, the October round of PubCon and, and some things in the fall, but that's still up in the air because who knows if people are going to want to travel and if it's going to be safe to travel at that point. So it's been a, you know, we were planning on me being on the road, you know, half of the year. Now I'm, I'm in the office. So it's been cool. I've gotten to, to get a lot accomplished. And, you know, our goal has just been to grow the company and get more, get more customers. And, you know, we've been blessed, like I said, that we had a good mix of clients. So we didn't really get hurt by COVID. And we've actually grown. Uh, we've hired a couple of people during the last few months when most businesses are shut down for COVID. So we've been doing well and our goal is just to continue to grow that. And we're building our sales team and we're, we've actually opened the second office, the, the company's based in Chicago, but I just kind of didn't want to move. And they said, all right, well, we'll look at opening a Dallas office. And so we've just opened the Dallas office and the first Dallas employee besides myself starts on Monday. So we're, we're growing the team. We're getting bigger and, you know, we're just doing whatever we can to blow past our goals that we've set for ourselves. We use a, a kind of a business system called Traction. There's a book out there called Traction. Uh, really cool book if you haven't read it about how to run a business and stuff. And so, you know, we have quarterly meetings and set goals and mm -hmm. we blew past Q1 and we'll likely blow past Q2. And so it's get out there, keep that ball rolling and keep moving the team down the field. Well, good luck to you. And I'll definitely check out that book, Traction. I, I, it sounds familiar, but I have not read it. So I'll have to uh, give it a read. Um, okay, so just to finish off, I've got a couple of uh, questions for you. So these are going to be you know, consistent questions that we ask uh, a guest each time. And hopefully, sure. you know, they, they pick up and, you know, we haven't gone all in on two questions that aren't successful. So the first one is, uh, what one skill would you recommend to a local marketer to help them to develop their career over the next one to two years? Wow, that's an interesting one. I would say curiosity would be the most important thing to nurture because, again, if you're not testing your own stuff and you know, experimenting and trying new things. If you're, if your entire marketing skill set is based off of 
what you're watching in videos or what you're reading online uh, or, you know, taking a training class, that's just not going to do well for your future. So invest and nurture that curiosity factor so that you're going to wonder, what if I tweak this thing here? Does it make a difference? And try new things and test everything because if you just kind of approach this like a job and you're just going to follow the rules, then okay, cool. You can have a career. But if you're curious and you're trying new things and you're experimenting and you're trying to, you know, color outside the lines a little bit, but obviously not break the rules, then I think you'll have more longevity and, and more of an opportunity to grow in your career. I love that. That's a great answer. Curiosity. It's a great question as well, obviously. Uh, so we'll keep that one. Um, okay, so, and finally, what advice would you give to someone who's entering uh, local marketing today? Wow, if you're just getting into local, uh, I would definitely suggest several things. First of all, and this is not pandering to you guys, follow Bright Local because uh, Bright Local puts out awesome information. Follow Joy Hawkins. Their company has a great blog. They put out tons of awesome information. They've got a great newsletter. She also runs the local search forum. So the local search forum is an awesome place to come in and learn some information about local search. Local U is a really awesome conference series to follow that is 100% local SEO focused. Yeah. So PubCon in the States is awesome. They always have a, a, a pretty good depth of local SEO. In fact, the last few years, the one in Vegas has an entire day where one track is just local SEO all day long. That's great. Look for local conferences as well. Uh, it's a lot easier to get to some of these local conferences like State of Search in Dallas or Engage in Portland because they're always going to have a good set of information about local SEO. They're more affordable. They're local, so you don't have to travel. If you have the opportunity to go to something like Brighton SEO, if you're in the UK, uh, Brighton SEO usually has some pretty good local sessions. And then I teach the local SEO training class at Brighton SEO. Mm -hmm. And I, I've done it twice a year at both Brighton's uh, for the last five years, other than once where I couldn't make it. There's stuff online that you can access too. Like I mentioned, I did videos for uh, SEM Rush Academy and I actually have a local SEO training video. It's an hour long kind of course presentation about the basics of local SEO. That's worth watching. Yeah. Follow the right people on Twitter, you know, bright local white spark, Darren Shaw, Joy Hawkins, um, Guy Sakalakis, Jason Brown, uh, gosh, the whole list of people, Claire Carlisle <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. Uh, she's brilliant. She's awesome. Yeah, so find the right people to follow on Twitter because you're trying to learn. And those people, you know, those of us that are the kind of the top echelon of local SEO, you know, we're bantering back and forth on Twitter and all the time and talking about things, but that's a good way to catch on to what's currently best. And we're all going to tweet about things going on at conferences or on virtual events. So, you know, follow the right people on Twitter. Even if you don't use Twitter, set up Twitter, create a list of those, you know, top people in local SEO. Didn't you guys put out a list of top people to follow on local SEO recently? Yes. Thanks for the plug. Uh, yes. I, did, I didn't even list. mean to do that, but then I'm like, wow, I think there was just a list that yes, came out we've on got your it. site. We've so. got it. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes so everyone can uh, go and follow everyone on that list because it's comprehensive as it could be. And I feel like the fact that, you know, you could list off hundreds of people, it just shows that people are really willing to, to be talking about stuff they're doing and, you know, actually yep. don't mind giving out their, their secrets, the things that have worked well for them. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things I love is, you know, you've got people, like I keep mentioning Joy, but, uh, you know, Joy's referred leads to us. We've referred leads to Joy. Guy Sakalakis has referred leads to us. We've sent stuff to him. Andrew Shotland, local SEO guide, same thing. We all kind of pass business back and forth because if we've got a client 
and there's a conflict of interest and a lead comes in and we can't work with them, I'm going to pass them off to one of my friends at another agency, even though technically we're competitors, but it's just that kind of friendly competition in the industry that's just awesome. Okay. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, Greg, and I'm sure our listeners enjoyed hearing from you and also learning about your journey through local marketing. Uh, it's been a blast. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Greg for taking us through his journey in local marketing. And a big thanks to you for listening to our very first episode. You can find all the resources Greg referenced in the show notes. This has been Adventures in Local Marketing, a bright local podcast. I'll speak to you again very soon.